1: Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN and you're listening to the ML Sports Planner.
2: It is indeed the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms where you get podcasts, download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Camillus Golf Club, the Vince Aguera Consulting Group, and Brewerton Ace Hardware. I am super excited to bring on to the program uh, a guy who I've respected for a long, long time. He's one of the best in the business a total pro, an amazing author. Um, He has a brand-new book out right now, and uh, it is absolutely, positively incredible. And it's for all Yankee fans, all baseball fans. Make sure that you go pick up his great book. It is titled Maris and Mantle, Two Yankees, Immortality, and the Age of Camelot. Online where books are sold. Uh, your, your nearby bookstores as well. Tony's got a ton of great books that he's written in the past. You can go visit TonyCastro.org. And uh, he's a New York Times best-selling author. He's been covering the game of baseball forever on Twitter at Tony underscore Castro. And my goodness, time flies, right? 61, Marison Mansell, Tony. 60-year anniversary of that unbelievable year. Congratulations on the book and welcome in. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
2: 60 years. How was that possible? Right, I sixty years and counting, and uh, it
1: seems to some people anyway that I've been talking to, uh, they tell me stories of having been at the ballpark that day when uh, Maris hit his 60th home run, and for them they say it's like like it happened last week.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. It it is one of those things where you know when you have a season like that or a dynasty in sports or you have a big life event, whatever the case may be, they're all kind of roped into one where it feels like yesterday, and yet it does in a way feel. Uh, like it was a long time ago. Um, why was it, I guess, right in the sense of, of, of Roger Maris being who he was? Why was it so right that he did it instead of Mantle? Was there a reason?
1: He was healthy, for one. He didn't have too many healthy seasons. And uh, this was uh, probably his healthiest of all. Uh, so that goes into it uh, starting off. Secondly, you know, you had Mantle batting behind him. He was protecting him, as they say in the sport. Uh, uh, Pitchers were forced to pitch to Roger Maris uh, most of that year uh, with Mantle on deck. And uh, that's not, you know, the option for putting a guy on, no matter how well he's hitting, uh, is not really there. I mean, Roger got intentionally walked that year zero times. So that'll tell you how much they wanted to pitch to Maris, and he was having a good year. He'd had a good year with the Yankees the year before. Uh, he was known to be a uh, you know a, a mean hitter, and especially there in the short porch of Yankee Stadium at that time.
2: He had a hard time, though, with the fans because Mano was such a favorite at that point. It's funny, Mano had a hard time with the fans because their guy was Yogi Berra, their guy was Joe DiMaggio, and it took a, a long time, even when Mano was crushing it, Mantle was still booed a lot. Mantle just wasn't welcomed all the way, you know, 100%. And then finally, he was, maybe around that 56th time when he won the Triple Crown. um, And and then he just became the darling, and he was the guy. Uh, You're never invincible from the Bronx boos, as you know, Tony. But uh, Mantle was the guy compared to to Maris. Um, If Mantle had done it, how would we view Mantle, Maris, single-season home run records, Ruth, uh, bonds, how would we how would we view all of it if it was Mantle and not Maris?
1: We would view it as history as we expected it to be in 1956 after the season that uh, the great season Mantle had at that time, uh, winning a triple crown, uh, challenging the Ruth record for a while, uh, hitting 52 home runs. At the end of that season, there's this great uh, quote of his that's on tape uh, uh, in various different places, and he says something to the effect that he was glad. Uh, He was happy to have uh, won the Triple Crown that year as opposed to breaking Ruth's record because he figured he was going to be playing for another 12 to 14 years. And if he could play that long, he felt confident he would break uh, Babe Ruth's record. It was one of the inevitabilities that people figured into it, that uh, Mantle was going to... break the record. And of course, whenever there's an inevitability in anything, whether it's this or whether it was, you know, remember Hillary Clinton, it was inevitable that she be president Uh, in 2008. uh, The the bets were all on Hillary Clinton in 2016. They were all on her until about uh, uh, 10 o'clock at night uh, on election night. So inevitabilities, whenever you hear something, you know, the the inevitability of so-and-so, you can Kind of tossed it out the window, and that was, I think, what happened there. That had Mantle won, had Mantle won that race, that uh, to, to beat Ruth, we would all be thinking, well, you know, it is as it's expected. Uh, we feel comfortable. It's like sitting in a, you're stepping into a warm bath as opposed to a hot bath or a, a cold <laughs> bath. Uh, uh, it makes us feel confident that our world is what it is. And what we expect it to be, and that didn't happen, and that upset a lot of people. And as far as Yankee fans, I mean, so a uh, book on the psychology of uh, baseball fans, but especially Yankee fans, could probably be written with everything having to do with the things you were talking about there. Uh, Mantle is a perfect case study there, coming in and being so disliked at the beginning. Uh, and actually, that's not true. Uh, in 1951, his rookie season he got up to such a fabulous start that everybody thought this guy is going to be the answer to, to all our prayers. And especially with Joe playing his last season. Yeah. And of course that only lasted a few weeks. And then uh, Manuel went into this terrible slump that inevitably there's that word again, uh, put him, uh, uh, being, in a, you know, he was sent to the minors. He was sent to play at the uh, Kansas city farm team that at that time belonged to the Yankees. So, there was, with Mantle, the idea that he would be replacing DiMaggio and that brought on some boos from those DiMaggio lovers and there were very many for good reason. And then later, you know, when he disappointed all of those that thought this is our, this is the new God, uh, he couldn't live up to those expectations. And even after DiMaggio was gone, you know, those boos were crazy. Oh. Up through know, probably 59 if you uh, read everything that's been written. That in 959 and 60, when Maris came in, it was somebody else, and, and you know Maris wasn't accepted because he wasn't a, a Yankee from the start. He'd been with two other teams. Uh, uh, he came over in a trade from uh, Kansas City, which at that time was like a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, by this time, Kansas City was, of course a, a major league team, but it was a wholly owned subsidiary of the Yankees. They could move back players back and forth. Yeah. And this is how Mandel, uh, Maris came into being.
2: Yeah, no doubt. You know, you. you th- oh, God, I love this stuff. I could talk for hours about this stuff. Uh, Tony Castro, our guest here on the ML Sports Platter. The book is out online. Major bookstores uh, where books are sold, go get it. Uh, must read, Marison Mantle, Two Yankees, Baseball Immortality, and The Age of Camelot. Um, Mickey is is just this this historical icon, you know, young, good-looking, great, physical tools, amazing baseball skills, hits from both sides of the plate, got the perfect baseball name, plays in the pinstripes. Like it just it, it's he's the first real, I think, baseball TV hero uh, as well. He, he you know, he played in October after October, so everybody got to see him as well, all the home run derbies. You know, people often ask me like, "Hey, you're such a baseball sucker and you love the history of the game." Who's the one guy you'd go back and, and watch play in a time machine? Would, would it be Ruth or Satchel Paige or would it be Jackie Robinson? Would it be Lou Gehrig? Would it, I got to tell you, I, I, from hearing stories from my dad and from my grandmother from long ago and 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 from everyone, you know, Cleet Boyer, who I interviewed a bunch of times, Bobby Richardson's been on the show a bunch of times, both radio and, and now the podcast, Tony. I got to tell you, I might choose Mickey Mantle. I mean, there are very few people... In the history of baseball, who captured the imagination of Yankee fans, baseball fans, television, America, the whole type thing. You know, he's a generational type guy. He's an icon, the baseball card industry. I don't know if there's many people who compare to Mantle. Tony, what do you think?
1: Mantle is a man for the ages. Was it a man for the ages in his time? He was, had he been in Greek mythology, he would have been uh, Achilles.
3: Yeah, And had he
1: been in the Bible, he would have been David. Yeah, You know, who besides David do you know who could pull off some of the crazy, ridiculous stunts that Mandel did over his lifetime? I'm not talking about the athletic feats. I'm talking about some of the personal uh, embarrassments that Mandel uh, got himself involved in, some of the uh, absurdities uh, of all of it, even down to... Uh, uh, you know, breaking himself to death and at the end being loved by everyone. And he was like David, the man who could be forgiven by God at every turn. And this was Mickey Mantle for his entire career. A man who, you know, poor, sainted Uh, Merlin Mantle, his wife, I mean, she put up with everything in this, you know, uh, including this man living with another woman for the last 10 years of his life uh, and and dying and uh, all but dying in this other woman's arms. And she still, you know, to to her dying breath, I think, fought for Mantle's recognition as one of the superior players in the game.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, Mantle, it's funny because you oftentimes hear from people, just in general, man, if Mickey had kept himself healthy, if Mickey had done this, if Mickey hadn't drank, if Mickey had, you know, but by the same token, he's in New York, he, he's kind of off the walls. I, I understand that, you know, despite being best friends with Bobby Richardson, they were two completely different people in terms of their off-the-field behavior. You can say all that, all of it. I, I you know, I throw all of it out the window. He was center field for the New York Yankees. He took over for Joe DiMaggio. He was, uh, the pressure was real. He wore that uniform. All they had done was win before him. You know, every Yankee who wears that uniform, whether you're an icon or not, Tony, they've won before. They've had dynasties before you. Um, So you need to now match up to all the other greats of the past, DiMaggio, Ruth, Gehrig, etc., Barra. What I'm getting at is, I think those people talk too much about what Mickey didn't do, when they should talk about what he did do. I think Mickey Mantle, with what he did do, the 500 home run club, the switch hitter, winning a triple crown, the speed-power combo, which is unmatched in baseball history. Why don't we talk more about what he did instead of, oh, oh, by the way, three MVPs? Why don't we talk more about what he did instead of, well, if Mantle had kept care of himself, he would have done this. Well, you don't really know that, do you?
1: Mantle was his own worst enemy uh, uh, throughout uh, his playing days and even afterwards. Uh, I'll give you a great story of how I met Mickey Mantle. It was 1970. It was just out of uh, uh, Baylor University. I, I was 22. I was in Dallas working for the Dallas Times-Herald. Wow. And I kn- Mantle had been my hero growing up. And uh, I knew he lived in Dallas. I knew he had a bowling alley there. He actually no longer had one by that time. And one day I'm sitting at the city desk because I'm a general assignment reporter and I'm going through the Rolodex. (laughs) Boom, Mickey Mantle's name pops up and I'm thinking, wow, he's here. (laughs) And then I I, I figure, okay, yeah, of course he lives here. Yeah, I should have known that, you know, uh, Pendejo. I go and check our foot file. Nothing had been done really on Mantle in a while. So I go and talk to the people in the sports desk, because uh, at the time I wasn't a sports writer. I, I, I made my name as a political writer uh, in Dallas and Houston and uh, Washington. Uh, I, the, the genesis for this book came as something in interviewing Arthur Schlesinger Jr., the presidential historian, wow. and, uh, and uh, uh, interviewing him back in, uh, in Boston. But here it is in, in 1970. I go back there and ask, look, are you interested in somebody doing a piece on Mantle? No, no one's done anything recently. He's been retired a couple of years. He'll be going to the Hall of Fame in three years. <laughs> Nobody gave a, a, a hoot about Mickey Mantle. Wow. Part of it being because every time they tried to interview him, Mantle, who was you know, in his cups at the time, just uh, drunk and unfriendly, uh, was ruder to uh, uh, the media people in Dallas than he was ever in New York. And in New York, they could take it. I mean, New York uh, newspaper people are, then and now are just tough, you know, tough as nails. Yeah. Uh, they'll stay right there and ask you question after question, no matter how much you, you may hate it. Uh, Dallas newspaper people and public newspaper people around the country are not the same way, especially at that time. In 1970, there was no professional baseball. In Dallas, you had... The Dallas Cowboys, they own the city. It was a football town. So nobody cared about it. And I'm thinking, wow, this is crazy. So yeah, if you want to do a piece, go do a piece on on, uh, on and That's what happened. I called him up two or three times, finally bugged him enough to, to where he met me at a restaurant over in the Turtle, Hill, Turtle Creek area of, of Dallas. And that's how I got to know him because no one else wanted to interview him. He was persona non grata in, in Dallas. He had, uh, and, and it was, he didn't care. There's a famous story about how at Mickey's home uh, golf course, Preston Trails, uh, North Preston Trail uh, 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 Country Club out there in North Dallas, there's a Mickey Mantle rule that they put in because of Mickey Mantle. Mickey had this habit of just. Not, he was part of him he was an exhibitionist. I think at the time, uh, as much as anything else, he would come in, take a shower,
2: have a you know, uh, get a beer, or whatever, or four, and, and, <laughs> yeah, or four,
3: and uh, yeah. go into the yeah. uh, clubhouse uh,
1: dining area with a towel wrapped around his waist. And sometimes that towel didn't stay there. Uh, and there were no women. I mean, this was an all men's club, so it wasn't like he was trying to show off his, his, uh, uh, you know, his birthright with uh, women there. He just didn't care, and it was his own way of, I guess, giving the finger to uh, all of these rich doctors and uh, professionals in Dallas. And they put in a, a, a within about a year or so after his membership there, they put in a, a Mickey Mantle rule. That stands to this day. There, there used to be. I don't know if they still keep it a cardboard cutout. You know, Mickey Mantle rule. You have to be fully dressed to come into the uh, clubhouse. Wow. Into the restaurant, rather.
2: Yeah, I remember. I remember. I went to uh, Mickey Mantle's restaurant in New York a long, long time ago when it was still open. It was a pretty cool place. Pretty fun. Um, Roger Maris. Is he actually underrated? In baseball history, can you make an argument for that, Tony?
1: Yeah, you can. Uh, I, you know, should does he belong in the Hall of Fame?
2: Yeah, I think he does. What? Uh, really? Yeah. Yes, I, I, I do. Wow. But I mean, that, I, but that's considering
1: you've got people like Bill Mazeroski in the Hall of Fame for what? Hitting one home run that won a World sure,
2: Series. Sure. Yeah. Say, well, we 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 could, could spend. You and I could spend two hours on a podcast, which I would be totally open to on. Who should and shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame? Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame for God's sakes because exactly. of you know the po- the politicking and and yet we have other guys who aren't whole other discussion for another day. But yeah, from that standpoint, yeah, I mean, the, but, the Hall of Fame to
1: me is I mean there are two. Uh, I was telling someone this the other day. Uh, there are two major disappointments for me in,
2: in in going somewhere that I hadn't been before. Yeah, uh, one was the Alamo.
0: Oh. Um, God, you know, you grew up in Texas
1: and you, you cherish the Alamo. You know, it's like the uh, like a holy shrine uh, to Protestant Catholics and others alike in uh, uh, in Texas. My first time there was like, wow, this is the Alamo, huh? My God, why did Davy Crockett have to die here, you know, poor Alamo? The other is the Hall of Fame. I went into the Hall of Fame. For, I, I was a grown man when I first went there. And I guess I thought I was going to be walking into the Louvre. And it wasn't quite like that. You've been there, you know. You know what sure. I'm talking about. You've got these 333 or however many uh,
0: uh, enshrined uh, plaques they have, and then the rest of it is
1: like, uh, wow, okay, uh, a field museum, you know, way up the top, Hall of Fame, you know, nice place to visit. But you know, you're better off going to the uh, uh, James Fenimore, Fenimore Cooper House there in Cooperstown. I was telling the reason I'm throwing out this story and being so ridiculous about it, Mike, is that uh, some of the people that are pushing for Maris to go into the Hall of Fame, I've said, hey, have you been to the Hall of Fame yourself? No, I haven't. Well, you ought to go. And you ought to use your money and your effort to build the Roger Maris uh, Memorial Museum in Fargo, although that's too cold to go to. Or to. Uh, <laughs> sure is. Uh, uh,
2: St. Louis would be the perfect place you'd Oh, you have probably yeah. get the yeah. uh, the Bush family to help out on: Sure, that. sure, and that baseball you know? community is the best in the game in my in my humble opinion I mean that's it, it is yeah and the reason yeah. I,
1: you know, I say this about uh, being too cold uh, you know baseball's the time that baseball could more easily make headway into just becoming the game that it once was, you know the uh, the national pastime, is the winner. Winter league meetings could be held in the at the Hall of Fame Museum. Uh, you could have uh, packed crowds for different uh, attractions during the winter. Cooperstown closes down, you know, as soon as the season is over for the most part. And by November, it's just too snowy to to yeah. go there. By January, you're frozen. You know, you you can't really use the Hall of Fame mm. except during the baseball season when people are, you know, busy with other things, uh, their vacations, their, you know, going to their ballparks and, uh, and and preparing for the real, you know, passion of of the NFL, I suppose. And so, I I, I say that to my friends uh, who are pushing for Roger in the Hall of Fame. to say, look, you know, celebrate Roger in the way that you can, which is year-round at many of these places have these uh, uh, you know, you could have film each day, you know, uh, in a loop of Rogers sixty home sixty one home runs that season. You could have a lot of other things that you don't have at the Hall of Fame. And uh, friends that I know that have gone to the Hall of Fame as adults for the first time say the same thing: "Wow, you know, I I guess I expected more." Uh, I went up the street. Uh, uh, this one friend of mine here was telling me. Uh, it, she was there for the first time with her son and uh, um, uh, a friend of theirs and she said they they had more about Mickey Mantle at one of the other stores up the street Uh, Safe at Home I think is a store that now has a lot of probably more Mantle uh, memorabilia than the Hall of Fame
2: Hmm. Okay, what do you hope people say at the end Uh, of the book, when they get done with that last page, what do you hope they say?
1: I hope they say that it gives you a different look at Roger Maris, who was an an unusual man. I mean, Roger Maris, in many ways, uh, you know,
0: you brought up the name of Bobby Richardson. If they were going to be best friends, it would have been Maris and and Richardson. Right, right, uh, right. uh,
1: Maris was the kind of guy, you know, uh, Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle's the kind of guy that you would want to have a beer with, hang out with, get drunk with. Maybe even be yourself at uh, you know your uh, at your most vulnerable of times. Roger Maris is the man that you want your son to grow up to be. You know, a, a guy who stands up for himself, a guy who it, it doesn't put up with uh, uh, ridiculous uh, demands on the part of uh, the media or the part of, of fans, even uh, a guy who. Uh, throughout his entire life, you know Roger Maris. If you if you check it out closely, is this guy who uh, puts up with you know a, a broken family that was not really broken, but really when you get down to it, they had a lot of issues. Uh, an immigrant son, uh, much like uh, Luke Gehrig in that sense, uh, growing up and becoming this uh, hero and. I think no one had him as a bigger hero than Mickey Mantle.
2: Yeah.
1: What does that tell you?
2: Well, they were. I mean, they were. They were buddies through all this. People think that they were rivals and other. I mean, Mantle was in the hospital room cheering Maris on. Correct.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, they. The way they wound up living together in 1961. The Billy Crystal movie, uh, what was it, uh, 61? It That's my favorite
2: baseball movie, by the way, above all of them. Field of Dreams, uh, everything, it's my favorite. Bull Durham, it's my favorite baseball movie. It is.
1: Okay, be warned. I mean, you know, uh, Billy Crystal's a great comedian. Uh, the movie is a, a tremendous entertainment, but it's like it's everything else put out in Hollywood. You know, you've got, uh, they, they fictionalized the, the last Lincoln movie that they made that want a Academy Awards. I mean, for whatever reason, they do this, whether it's for television or whether it's for uh, uh, major motion pictures. So you can take a lot of what's in uh, uh, that film with a grain of salt. The relationship that Mantle had with uh, Joe DiMaggio, for one, was highly fictionalized and overly dramatized in that movie. The relationship that he had with Maris was simplified. And, uh, you know, Mantle continued to, uh, when he was living with Roger and Bob Serve, and I forget who the, the uh, other person was that they were living with. Uh, Mantle continued, in real life, continued being the playboy, the drinker, the out at all hours of the uh, night and day kind of the thing uh, that isn't depicted in that movie. In fact, that movie makes it seem like he cleaned up and he was uh, Ozzie Nelson. Uh, of the Aussie and Harriet show, which was not far from the truth, you know, and and, and so uh, what I'm saying is that that particular year in '61, Mantle continued being himself uh, in 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 many ways, and Maris himself as well. They were closer than many of us who have been led to believe. They didn't have this on off field rivalry that was depicted in the in the tabloids at that time, and. Mantle loved this guy. I mean, just, uh, I, when Marish died in 1985 and, you know, he died in Houston, they moved the bo- transferred the, transported the body to, to Fargo, North Dakota, where services were held. Mantle goes there, and it's incredibly cold. I mean, we're talking about December the 14th in Fargo. Uh, who, in their right mind, if they don't have to be there, goes there at that time. And Mantle, you know, trudges through the snow into the church, he sits there and just bawling, his, you know, his eyes out. Uh, it was a, he probably cried more for Roger than he did when his father died.
2: Yeah. Well, look, this has been absolutely unbelievable. I knew it would be Tony Castro. Go follow him on Twitter at Tony underscore Castro, the official. Twitter page there of the New York Times best-selling author. You can go to TonyCastro.org and please go grab the book. It's called Maris and Mantle, Two Yankees, Baseball Immortality in the Age of Camelot. I can't imagine what it was like watching Maris and Mantle go at it in 61, Chasing Babe Ruth. Amazon.com, major bookstores. Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the interviews that we've done in uh, in past times continued success, and I can't wait to see what's next for you, my man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day. ML Sports Platter here, brought to you by our great friends at Bryant & Stratton College of Syracuse, two great locations in Central New York, James Street and Oswego Street in Liverpool, bryantstratton.edu. Great time to be a Bobcat, man. Athletics, academics, and excellence at Bryant & Stratton College, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor and a... Uh, a great place to, to go get your degree out of high school or if you're looking to change you know your, your work field, Bryant & Stratton College can help you out. Go ahead and visit bryantstratton.edu. Fill out that uh, incredible questionnaire as well and visit the athletic website as well, bscbobcats.com. That's bscbobcats.com. I am super pumped up to bring onto the program a member of that Bryant & Stratton College of Syracuse uh, family. It's Nick Dmitrievsky. He is the terrific athletic director and head men's soccer coach for the Bobcats in central New York. Nick, how are you, buddy? Great to have you again.
3: Everything was great. Thanks for having me.
2: No doubt. What have you learned about your team this year so far?
3: Wow, great question. Um, You know, we we won the national championship in 2019, and last year, because of the COVID-stricken year, you know, um, the season was cut short. So we got a really brand new team. Um, we're young. We are trying to develop our relationships,
0: trying to be a team. You know, we just, we had a soccer golf outing yesterday at West
3: South Golf Course. So, um, you know, we're, it's a work in progress. We're 0 one I got
2: to get and, in that next time, by the way. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, please do. Um you know, we got a really, really strong team, but we got new guys, and we need to get everybody up to
2: speed and and feel the brotherhood. So um, we're getting there. Nice. Um, roster wise, highlight some things that have happened. Some some youngsters, maybe some veterans as well. But um, it's a pretty complete roster and a versatile roster, Nick. Right again this year for the Bobcats. Yeah, you know, our we
3: got. Three captains and all three captains are seniors, so it's a senior rated uh, nice. team. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of experience coming back. We've got some good transfers in, some really talented guys that came in from Essex Community College hmm. and Luca Natali and um, um We're we're loaded. You know, it's just we just got to get a lot of these guys familiar with one another. Um, I'm excited about the potential. Um, Of what we can do. We're not there yet. You know, we've rolled through our season here
2: so far, but I'm excited of what it can end up. No doubt. Where do you think your strength is? Um, Our experience, you know, winning the national championship, I got a, a lot
3: of those guys that are still here in their senior year, so that experience to go through and you know, go through your season and then win the, the playoffs and win the championship is priceless. So uh, that means everything. Um, and just the way we go about the, our style of soccer, you know.
2: Um, so I think it's, it's the system that we play as well. I'll tell you, you know, you guys are so impressive and what has happened at Bryant & Stratton College. I mean, working with you guys, obviously, has been such a joy for me. Uh, but to see growth and then, you guys are championship, you know, you have championship teams, yours being one. Um, Did you ever think that it was possible when you first started? Did you ever think that that level of, you know, achievement was doable? You know, reaching for the stars, as they say, you know, you're told that as a kid, right? Reach for the stars, chase your dreams, but you, you can do that, but sometimes it, it's pretty hard, right? But you guys have achieved that. Like, did you yeah. did you think yeah, that yes, when you first it. started? I
3: never, never had that question asked me before. Um, great question. So I remember my first interview twenty four years ago with Ed Heinrich, and uh, we didn't have a place to play.
2: And my yeah. answer was, I just need a field. I don't care. Right? What, Who cares I'll at that what point? The field yeah. It yeah. Is. Yep. I will bring you the best
3: players. Yep. The best system. The best everything. And uh, that's what we did. And then when we're looking to hire coaches, we're looking for those coaches that have that grit about them, that will not let anything stand in their way to achieve their goals.
0: So we've been really blessed, um, you know, and um, we've been quite successful as well.
2: Okay. So a couple of more here for Nick Dmitrievsky, the terrific uh, head men's soccer coach at the Bobcat. Uh Central New York soccer team and, and of course, the uh, athletic director as well. Um, you've got, as we record this, you have a game, I believe, against the Bobcats of Rochester, and then you have five games in October that are huge games, obviously. The later it gets, the bigger it gets, right? So break down the rest of the schedule, and uh, in October, you know, you end with three road games there, Nick. <laughs> yeah, you know, so... First of all, uh, Wednesday, we have
3: an All-Associates Day um, at Jones Road at 4 o'clock. We play Brian Stratton in Rochester. So that should be a lot of people. I'd like to invite you there. That would be wonderful. Or anybody else that would like to um, stop by. Um, you know, when people, people that haven't seen us play and then they do see us play, they really enjoy it. You know, it's a beautiful style game that we play. Um, but... These next couple games should be should be competitive, but as like you said, the season starts to end here, starts to um, up mid to late October. Um, we're we're playing we're playing some heavy hitters, yeah. and the main four ten is the marquee game, which we beat them in the national championship, mm-hmm. um, and that will be home here. So that's always a great there. game. It's a a, a monster game. It's a a heavyweight battle. Um, So we're excited. You know, we played, we're four and one. The teams we played um, are very, very good. And, um, you know, we, if you're asking me, we should have been 5-0-1. We're winning with a couple of minutes to go in the last game. We all shot them like 16-3, to but we're learning from some of those mistakes. You know, um, I like our team. I like our chances. I like what we're trying to do. And we have another month, month and a half to
2: really cultivate um, everything to how we go about it. All right, in the final minute or so I have left with you, and by the way, I, it's amazing to me, <laughs> you've been, with the, you've been the, with the program for 18 years. I, I, it's just, it's unbelievable 24. how fast. Or, well, 24, 24 but, yeah. well, off the website, the soccer program for 18, right? Isn't it? No, no, it's
3: 24. Oh, it's yeah, 24
2: total. Okay. All right. Well, I, I know you mentioned 24 earlier in the interview, but I yeah. didn't know if that was totally, you know, yeah. with the soccer program or just at the school in general. Right. Um, so, as you've gone on here and you've accomplished everything that you have, what's left? Keep winning? <laughs> yeah, that's the easy answer. You know, yeah. um,
3: I enjoy what I do, Yeah. and I like really helping kids. Um,
2: and it shows, you know, it shows, by the way.
3: Yeah, on the soccer and um, becoming a man... You know, a young man. And, uh, you know, we just, me and one of my players just had that same conversation the other day, you know, and it's really nice when you see a kid just really develop into a young man. Yeah. Um, You know, and I put that special attention to my little six year old, little monster. So uh, (laughs) I see him all over the place. Yeah, he partaked in our preseason. He was there every day. Yeah. And the guys were like, what that kid is going to get. Oh, from boy. being a part of it, so yeah, yeah. you know, I still really enjoy it you know, we're, believe it or not you know, we're cultivating modern day techniques, mm-hmm. that's what keeps us so fresh, and um, I like it, you know, I still like
2: it Well, I'll tell you, uh, there is something to be said for growing up in a situation, in an atmosphere you look at Vlad Guerrero Jr. right now you look at Bo Bichette, you look at Kevin Biggio with the Blue Jays, their fathers were major leaguers, and one of them is in the Hall of Fame, and so you know, Patrick Mahomes grew up with his dad, you know, playing baseball. He was at the park every day. You learn to be a professional. You just, you're around the atmosphere. Right. You soak it in. You listen to people. Um, it's remarkable. And by the way, you guys, I think over the summer, if I'm not mistaken, I saw the pictures. You guys had a heck of a trip. I know I said another minute, but you had a heck of a trip over the summer. Why don't you highlight on that?
0: For yeah, a little bit?
3: yeah. We, I ended up going to Europe, and um,
2: oh. we ended up going to some Euro. Uh, Euro Cup games, Crazy. It's Ridiculous oh. to see France
3: play Macedonia wow. play, and for my son to see it. So, I, you know, I got to say this quick story that you'll love and the listeners will love. Sure. So So, one of our games, um, one of our forwards um, just made a few runs, and you know, stopped, and I had the conversation with him after. I said, you know, you um, as in the second half, I said, you got to run twenty. 30, 50 times to be able to get, if you get the ball once, that's great, you know, but your work ethic has got to be that. So after the game, this is wonderful. After the game where McDonald's were sitting with the assistant coaches, my little guys, the six was there and the kid was, happened to be next to me. And, um, I said to him, I go, did you understand what I was saying to you a little bit? He goes, a little. And I go, watch this. So I pointed to my son. I said, Michael, Michael, how many runs do you have to make to get the ball? He said you have to make 100 runs to touch the ball once. And I looked at my player and I said, "Do you see what I'm talking about?" And he goes, "Got it." So that wow. that was unbelievable. And the kid from there has really um, opened up his that's world incredible. a little bit. How about how about going doing stuff?
2: Wow, that that's. Man, I'll tell you what—it's priceless when you when you get into stuff like that. He is the athletic director and head men's soccer coach for the Bobcats uh, in Syracuse. A proud ML Sports Platter sponsor and the official college of the platform as well. BryantStratton.edu Go check out the questionnaire. They've got a bunch of great programs. Nursing program, et cetera, was just uh, 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 introduced here a couple of months ago. So head on over to bryantstratton.edu and bscbobcats.com. Just click on the Syracuse part, go right to the schedules, go right to the information, and you'll find out everything you need to know about Nick Dmitrievsky's team uh charging towards another title we hope. Nick, thank you so much man. This was fan- really you. It's been fantastic. Thank Any time, please reach out. And the ML Sports platter is brought to you by our good friends at Bryant and Stratton College of Syracuse, Stanley Law Offices, Rosie's Corner, and the Camillus Golf Club. If you're in and around Central New York, you got to play Camillus Golf Club. In fact, if you're in New York State, golfers travel. Come down from Buffalo, Watertown, Rochester, Scranton. I'm telling you this place is great. 18 holes of championship golf. Scenic views, and of course, the greens are to die for. Awesome food after your round as well. Camilla's Golf Club, Camillus Hills Golf Club.com for more. That's Camillus Hills Golf Club.com for more information. And hey, don't wait to get your 2022 golf membership today. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. As I always tell you, enjoy the games.